to show. Welcome back to another episode of Off The Mats Podcast. And this week's guest is a familiar guest, a good friend of mine, and friend to the podcast, Miss Tiana Taylor. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for inviting me on. No, no, thank you for making the time because, as I always say with these podcasts, I can't do this without you all as a guest. So if, you know... If I'm like, hey, Tiana, can you do a podcast? And you're like, yeah. And then you just disappear on me. And it's like, fuck. <laughs> like, I, I got to interview my daughter again. So, which she would love, but it doesn't, doesn't make for the best of conversations with the seven-year-old. <laughs> so, um, so I, I guess since we last had you on, it, and just to kind of give explanation to listeners, I speak with Tiana pretty frequently. She's my friend, but <laughs> she hasn't been on the podcast in a while. So we want to do a little catching up with her. So since we last spoke on here, you've competed. I have, yes. And that was uh, uh, in Barcelona. I, I always get the events mixed up over there. I don't get them mixed up over here. It was the oh, IBJJF F International Masters in Barcelona yeah. yeah so like because I think there's one time I think it was like no gi masters maybe like a couple years ago we had talked about and I kept calling it something else and I was like dude I'm <laughs> so now I'm just like hey what did you compete in just tell me <laughs> like oh Barcelona okay cool so going into that event in itself I mean you had the no gi or not no gi but uh uh, the submission only comp back in November, November, November. Yeah. and yeah. then uh, you had some time off from there and then you're coming back to competition here in Barcelona. So how was that for you getting back out there on the mat? It was really exciting because um, I was in no situation to compete at the Gi Europeans in January. So that was disappointing. It's something I accepted. So I was really excited for this. Really excited. I'm very felt very ready as well. Um, so a lot of positive, a lot of positive feelings going in. Yeah, it felt good. Really good. And how many matches did you you have at at the uh, competition in, in total? I had five. I had um, just two in my weight class and three in the absolute. So five matches. Nice, nice. I always think about when my teammates compete, especially like the females, they, they tend to only have like one, maybe two matches, depending on, you know, the belt and everything. And the, here you had five. It's like, oh. Yeah, for my category, though, there was only there were only two fights. Um, I actually went up a weight category for this competition. I was a lot lighter last year, but I feel a lot healthier in myself and more able to fight. So at my age group, it's the featherweight category that's most popular. 
but I went in at light for this one, which was definitely the right decision. Definitely. And you say you went into this feeling, feeling better, like, like stronger going in and everything. Yeah. Last year I was very, very light following some surgery. I had my, found it very difficult to gain that weight. So it really, really hard to be heavier. And I, I felt a lot better in myself and I was a lot more excited than I'd been previously competing. And it was just, it was a good prep. It was good preparation. I felt stronger. I felt healthier, generally happier and felt ready. I was ready for the competition. And yeah, I was feeling really good. Good, good. That's always a, a great indicator is when you go in, you feel ready. You feel good. You're confident. I know talking to you leading up to it, the that was like five days before there's there's this confidence in your voice i was like oh yeah she's ready she's going into this <laughs> so i i could hear it when yeah. i spoke with you that you 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 sound stronger you sound more confident you sound prepared and that's not mm -hmm. to say you weren't prepared for other competitions but this one it just there, there was something different in yeah. this tiana versus the one from previous competitions yeah, definitely. I think it would have been, I was torn about Paris because I wasn't in the right headspace. I had a hell of a lot going on in life in general. And it would have been a mistake just to step up, step up just because it was Europeans. But then I do want to do the major comps because it's difficult to get over to the US for a number of reasons. Yeah, so I, I decided it was after renewing my IBJJF registration, I decided it was for the best that I didn't do Paris and I knew there would be other competitions, but it, it was a bummer, but I don't think I would have actually enjoyed it. So I listened to my body and what I know I needed and had to just take a step back for a little while. So it was my first competition in six months and it felt a lot, I felt a lot better going into this than I did in my sub only. So yeah, it worked out well. Good. Well, I think also to be fair with the sub only, I think that was a, a completely new experience too. Mm. So it, like, I feel like, you know, these tournaments, that's, that's your bread and butter. You know it, you get out there, this is your game. Sub only was a little different, but yeah. so yeah, it, I can see that. Yeah. But good all the same. So going into Barcelona and everything, feeling stronger, in and just more confident as far as you know physically in in your body wise were you doing any you know different kind of workouts or exercises or anything leading in to kind of give you the physical confidence i was trying to up weight up my weights my weight training because um of my knee injury from a few years ago that still plays on my mind sometimes so um strength and conditioning is really important um i was eat, eating more so my weight went up as well so that but in a good way so yeah i felt i felt good physically um i'd been training a lot too so i needed to fuel myself but i was i was like i said i was excited to compete it didn't feel like a chore or something i was obliged to do it's like i get to compete rather i have to compete i have the opportunity to display some jujitsu um hopefully all goes well and yeah, it was just a much more positive experience than some of the, actually I would say my, all my comps last year in comparison. Yeah. Okay. 
So I think there's something to take. I think there's something to take from that when you know you need to take a step back, whether it's health reasons or personal reasons, or you're just burnt out. No, no one should feel obliged or be putting pressure on themselves to compete. That's something I wasn't very good at last year, and something I did quite a lot. So I think I'm better at recognizing I need to take care of myself first and foremost. I think that that recognition comes with the experience of doing, and like you said, like as you grow as an athlete in this sport. So I'm glad to see that and hear that. Does IBJJF like do many tournaments over there in Europe that, or more so, I guess with you being in Spain, mm. um, you know, cause when I think about Europe versus North America, United States, it's like United States It's like, Oh, we have the Cincinnati open, the DC open, you know, we have, Pans, we have you know all these different tournaments through different states here so i'm always so used to hearing every week there's a different tournament then i wonder over there in you know europe in itself is like does the ibj ibjjf organization do many tournaments over there or is it kind of like a quarterly thing or maybe two per quarter well, over here, the biggest ones would definitely be the Europeans every January. Usually in Lisbon, it was in Paris this year, though. The European Masters was in Barcelona in April. Um, you got in particularly for Spain. You got the Madrid Open, and the Spanish National is in November normally. There's lots of the in Europe in general. There's a lot of competitions in London. I know the Paris Open was a couple of weeks ago. But I've noticed that, and I've heard a lot of people say the IBJJF numbers are just like going down for competitors, especially at um, lower belts, blue and white. I think a lot of people feel they've kind of outpriced themselves a little bit. It, it, they are expensive. It is expensive to sign up. And obviously, if people pull out in any competition, you can't control who turns up on the day. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people say they think that, you know, just IBJJF are not all that anymore. And, you know, they're not prepared to pay the inscription fee for competitions because there are many, many other federations doing good competitions quite regularly as well. And they don't charge anywhere near as much. So, yeah, My teammate and I were talking about this yesterday. We're, we're driving up to go see a pro wrestling event. It's lots of fun. And we got to talking about different organizations besides IBJJF. You know, talk about um, he my my teammate. He wants to do ADCC, mm -hmm. and our school is really like like IBJJF. You know, that's that's what we do. You know, the Naga competitions here and there, Grappling Industries. You know, we do you know you know several different things. But he was saying he wants to do uh, ADCC. We've had some competitors go there as well from our our school, but then we started really thinking about as he and I are talking, we're thinking about other organizations and I, I guess the ideal of prestige. Yeah. Because there, there are some people that will say, well, you know, okay, sure. You, you want Naga, but you know, what is that? Or, you know, and, and there are even people that are like, okay, great. You won IBJJF worlds, you're not a world champion. You didn't win ADCC. It's like, yeah, people have their own opinions about federations and prestige and things. Um, for the IBJJF, I like I've been okay. Well, generally with the refing because I've been some comps and the refs haven't really known 
like it's like do you know jiu-jitsu like that was clearly a sweep where's the sweep um i've not really been too much a victim of dodgy refing but I, I do hear a lot about it um it sounds a little bit naive because i know like there are a lot of people who feel they've been shafted by the ibjjf refs but um compared to some of the other federations i've done the refing generally speaking touchwood <laughs> is more generally more accurate i think it's more consistent for sure yeah. um I, I i'm never one to throw blame anywhere i know when ibjjf comes to our area once in a while we get the dc open and our team there always seems to be this thing where you know our guys are like wait a minute we're, you know we're getting screwed here like yeah. i i clearly you know got the sweep and i didn't get my points or you know i i held that side control or you know i had both my hooks in where are my points yeah like, I, I don't know man like i'm always trying to like justify me maybe it wasn't i don't know uh but for the most part it seems like they're most consistent across the board from what i understand at least yeah, I was at a competition a couple of years ago with some of my teammates. I wasn't actually competing. I was just coaching. And this is a, a really big Spanish federation that's really popular over here. And, like, you rock up, and one of our, some of our white belts are on quite early. And um, it's like, you see the refs having a discussion about the rules. It's like, this should have been done well before now. Like, this, this stadium's full of people, you know, and they're discussing the rules and stuff. It's like, that doesn't give you confidence. And then when you see a ref allow a white belt to jump guard and then try and do a toe hold, it's like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's questionable sometimes. But then there are others who will say the IBJJF referent is questionable as well. So it's all down to personal experience and um, perceptions. And you know, I think I I don't like the IBJJF prices at all. They're so expensive. It's very overpriced. Very overpriced. I agree. Yeah. And I, I don't even compete. I'm not paying them. But when I see the prices, I'm like, damn. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I wanted to compete. Uh, in Barcelona, it was just Guy. The no Guy Europeans is in Italy in um, November. And yeah, the price for, like, for example, the Spanish national to do Guy or no Guy on the same day, Guy and no Guy on the same day, is, it, it goes up quite substantially as well. I think uh, um, people who want to compete more or compete in different federations and have different experiences so that, for example, a blue belt can do brown belt submissions in some of the other federations like Rap Industries, for example, in Nogi. So people are, you know, trying different federations, different competitions. And the fact that there are so many on same day as other ones means that some of the brackets aren't filling up in kind of any of them really or they're generally quite small brackets brackets are, as we know generally always smaller for women but it seems to be across the board now even if i drop down like two age categories i, I can do that i could drop down a weight category or go up a weight category i'm still not going to have that many people to fight so there's a lot there is a lot more choice now i would say and with a lot of um as i say competitions on the same day in different parts of spain and parts of the world people are being quite selective about where they put their money, which you've got to respect really and expect. Absolutely. I think, you know, when, when you say it's a good thing that there are more competitions, you know, jujitsu is growing, 
but it kind of hurts as well too because you know you got again the prices for ibjjf and you know that's kind of the big dog in the race and then you also have just you know different rule sets around the way i remember yeah. going to a grappling industries and i was looking at the rules i was there supporting a teammate that like i had freshly competed so i was like okay i think you know i'll, I'll come back for this i'm you know i like this I want to. I want to do this because it was round robin. And I started looking at the rules. I was like, "Nope, don't want to do that." <laughs> like you guys are doing hill hooks, <laughs> no doggy, buddy. I cannot risk that. And also, I was fresh, so I didn't really know the leg lock game. So I was especially more afraid of that. I was like, mm, "That sounds like trouble for my legs. My <laughs> knee will explode." So, but I, I wish that at least along the lines. And I, I guess that is the thing when you have different competitions. You have different competitions for a reason. You know, yeah. whether you want to do your, you know, EBI rule set or you want to do IBJJF rule set, you know, you want to open the floodgates and like, look, everything's open. You can do everything, you know, once you're blue belt. I think white belt are like letting white belts wrist lock at uh, Grappling Industries. That made me nervous. So it's like, fuck. <laughs> like, you know, like you guys are just renegades, just letting people do anything. But you know that that's why you know you have your different sets though so you can yeah. play a different game but also it gets confusing if you do a lot of different competitions because you go to ivjjf and you forget and you get into your fills and you know go ahead and you're reaping and everything they're like oh no that's cool <laughs> like not here it's not yeah so. yeah that's the thing but you know either way like i said it's it's good because it shows that jiu-jitsu is growing yeah, that that was part of the conversation I had yesterday. Just with jujitsu growing, you almost get this ideal of, you know, I've talked to people who don't train, and they're like, "It looks boring. It doesn't look exciting." Meanwhile, you know, us who know, we're like, "No, no, there's a lot going on yeah. here. It's just yeah. you can't see it." And we we're looking at um, my, my teammate and I were looking at a video of another organization. I'm not going to say its name because I'm not about to say nice things. And it was a lot of sloppy jujitsu for the sake of being flashy and making it look interesting and fun. And it's like, but that's not like I get that you're doing it to entertain and try to get eyes on it, but it's not good jujitsu. So, you know, there is the question of at what point do you draw the line? Do, do you stay true to jujitsu and, you know, keep the sport pure and have good technique and good, good jujitsu and, you know, your fan base is going to, cause like with flow, when, when you read the conditions on their pricing and everything, how they do it yearly, you know, they're catering to the hardcore fans. Like you're going yeah. to pay that yearly mark because you're here to watch jujitsu versus your casual who might, if you're doing it month by month, uh, you know, I do three months, then I'll back out and I'll come back, you know, in four more months. So it, there's a weird line where it's like, do you want to grow your, you know, your popularity and let casuals in? Or do you want to keep it for the hardcore who truly know and love the sport? So I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, interesting question. I think there's a lot of opinions online about it. And I think I think it definitely will keep growing and attracting more people. There are some people who say that some in some places the quality of the jitsu even now is somewhat questionable. So I think that's going to be generally a problem across the board. I don't think that's really going to 
necessarily change it could even be a bigger problem but yeah it's it's an interesting topic for sure i know a lot of people have strong feelings about jiu-jitsu and the olympic not not olympics jiu-jitsu and the olympics yeah that's a hard word Yeah, I think it's because people have seen of what happened, what's happened to judo over time. So many things are not allowed in judo that were allowed in judo back in the day. And people don't want to have, I think, generally don't want that to happen to jiu-jitsu. There are an awful lot of restrictions in judo now. And it was never like that before. So I know I've heard, yeah, people don't want thing techniques to be banned or not in there, not allowed to do them. So if they're part of their game, I think that's where the worry comes with making jiu-jitsu an Olympic sport to some degree. Sure, sure. That that was the argument that I heard early on. Because at one point I was very much like, yeah, make it popular. Because I, I was mad when I would turn on ESPN, I see like silly games like cornhole and pickleball. I'm like, what are these sports and why is it on ESPN? Why is this on the sports network? But we can't get jiu-jitsu there. And then the discussions start to really open up where people are like, well, if you make it mainstream like this or if it's in the Olympics or if it's popular, they're going to start taking rules or or adding rules and taking techniques away from you. And they mentioned, you know, in one one um, discussion group, they mentioned judo. And Mm -hmm. I'm not well versed in judo at all. So I was like, whatever, I don't know. What the hell are you talking about? Judo seems fine. It, it looks fine. I, I, I watch the Olympics all the time. It looks fine to me. I'm like, no, dude, there's a lot you can't do. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm also in the mindset of now having been doing this for you know a few years now and then also being an MMA fan when MMA was just, you know, it was like a little private club. Mm. it was fun but once it started going on to like big networks like fox and and espn and and everyone's watching it now then there's this weird thing that you get with casuals or you know i I might sound kind of elitist here but like you know outsiders you know like you know you see a a fight on the ground like just stand up like stand them up bro like just bleed it's like no, there's an art to this. Yes, there's going to be blood, but there's an art to it still. And and that part of me feels like with jujitsu, I don't want that to become a thing, where, you know, you get your casuals that are just like, and you just kind of see. Well, I don't know about now, but I saw it a few years back when you would have new guys coming in, and the leg lock game really picked up, and people came in day one want to learn how to hill hook. I was like, yeah, dude, you don't even know how to pass guard yeah i don't need to because i'll just hill hook them okay i think there's gonna there's always gonna be people like that who want to run 100 miles before they can even walk and yeah that's 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 dangerous but as long as they're kept in check then they're not endangering teammates or coaches etc but yeah there are many people like that they've seen a bit of mla and they or even some jitsu and they just want to learn the really advanced stuff when they don't have fundamentals. And yeah, that's pretty common. You said it best. The fundamentals never get old. And, you know, people, they they just want to blow past that. It's like, oh, okay, cool. What's this? Oh, you know, basic scissor sweep? No, I don't want to do that. 
like what's this oh, a rear naked choke okay that, i don't want to do that either i just like i want to go to the bow and arrow i mean you could but what if it doesn't work and i think that's where people lose sight is the fundamentals are very important because if you're doing an advanced technique and it, it you miss or or they're defending very well a lot of people forget you know you know just your basic holds and yeah exactly so yeah i've fallen victim yeah i i read uh, something on instagram the other day it said jiu-jitsu isn't hard if it's done well now i've probably misquoted that but it's just this idea that jiu-jitsu is actually very methodical it's very logical but it's understanding and dynamic problem solving and understanding what to do in that moment and that that's the challenge really that's the challenge knowing what to do in that moment but if you don't have solid fundamentals then i don't see how you can just rely on flashy techniques because you've got to be in the position to execute them and a lot of the flashy techniques are actually by chance as it were so but yeah everything i think always comes back to fundamentals if you don't have strong fundamentals um you risk losing the position and then not understanding where you're at and what positions or submissions you've got available to you to transition to. So, yeah, building up knowledge is so important. Wanting to skip that and rush ahead, I think, is pretty... I've seen that quite a bit, actually, and that can lead to injury, um, falling out of love with, with um, jiu-jitsu, losing motivation, lots of things. People just want to get steam ahead, and it's like it really is a marathon and not a race. It sounds kind of cliche, but it, there's some truth in that, definitely especially if you're here for the long haul and not just to blue belt and then quit. Yeah. I think at one point I fell out of love with jujitsu as well, but I think part of my falling out of love with jujitsu was moving beyond the fundamentals. I think I was so attached to the fundamentals that I was refusing to go beyond Mm. So was, you know, was, you know, I'm looking at Hadra Gracie. It's like, oh, he's using all these fundamentals and choking out black belts. I, I just need to get really, 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 really good at cross <laughs> choke. It's like, yeah, I mean, you got to get good at other stuff though, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. So, so I don't know. It, it, it's I was explaining jujitsu to a coworker the other day, and I was explaining how it's like a language. It's like learning a language mm. and all the steps through it. And um, very, very nice lady. She started trying to explain how, well, you know, like little kids getting black belts, so it's, it's you know, that's not okay. And I was like, well, you know, little kids don't get black belts in jiu-jitsu at all. That's not, that's not a thing here. Like, well, I think the kids' techniques should be, like, different, you know, from the adults. And I was like, well... You know, as little kids learn the techniques and the movements and their bodies kind of adjust to, you know, jujitsu throughout their life and they stick with it into adulthood. A lot of that stuff that they learned as a kid will play into their game later on in life. It's all important. And yeah. I, I think this is where then my mindset was like, you know, trying to explain jujitsu to someone who doesn't know jiu-jitsu it's like oh, this is harder than i thought never mind <laughs> i don't want to talk to this lady anymore <laughs> it was time to go it was like work was over it was like it, it was like 357 i'm off at four i was like trying to like be polite at that point like so um yeah i so i got oh man look at the time 
Like, aren't you off at four? Yeah, we're off at four. We should we should go home. I'm I'm going home. We're not going to talk <laughs> about this topic anymore, lady. I'm sure I'll I'll encounter her again and she'll say something. Like, oh, it's the guy who does kung fu. Oh goodness, yeah. I mean, if it goes mainstream, means that people stop doing the karate chop hands. I think a lot of us will be really pleased. That, that will it's be so annoying. <laughs> so annoying. I, I would, I'd prefer, yeah. If, if if it takes everybody knowing about jujitsu to get them to stop doing the, you know, the karate hands and chop chop. Yeah. Like when when my wife was like judo chop, it's like I don't <laughs> think that's a thing. <laughs> Like, like stop saying that like she says it because of austin powers but it's like and she knows it she's like i'm just saying it because it's austin powers and i know it's wrong and i'm like then stop doing it it's it's <laughs> it, it's it's disrespectful so going back to competition for you and and coming back from you know kind of a, a layoff of sorts what was you know, a big hurdle or challenge getting back onto the mat for you competition-wise? Good question. Um, I think it was really dealing with nerves and slowing down because when you've had a bit of time off, even if it's just a few months you've not competed, uh, well, definitely in my case, there's a tendency to do things too fast um, and try, oh, it's always remembering position before submission and remembering that this, the competition nerves and adrenaline means that things can go very very fast things may not necessarily go to plan and just factoring in and allowing a plan b to be in place it was i would definitely say it was competition nerves and playing my game but in a slow methodical way that wouldn't leave my opponent open to playing her game because i was rushing that's definitely something i was concerned about yeah especially after some of my comps last year. Okay. Like, I, I've wondered that, you know, again, with layoffs, you know, trying to get back, because you see some people, they just jump into it. And then there's some people that, you know, it's like the ring ring rust, I guess, for fighters, mat rust, I guess, for grapplers. So I always wonder that sometimes, like, hey, was it easy for you to jump back in? Or did, did you have, you know, a bit of nerves returning and then some people jump in without even they're clearly nervous mm. but you would never know it yeah so. yeah. The, yeah the mental game is massive definitely and that's something i'm continuing to work on it's like having a shower you need to do it really regularly as well and it's applicable off the mats as well so just in everyday life it's like problem solving really but i think it's definitely there for everyone to a degree some people feel it more than others some people don't compete solely because of it um some people like the adrenaline and the nerves but i think it's all overall it's how you handle all of that and how you can channel it to your advantage rather than it being debilitating stopping you fighting yeah i always hear the people who are like they love the nerves they love going out there and having the anxiety and i'm like you're like I, I have a therapist you can come talk to. Like, she's really good because that didn't seem right at all. I hate those feelings. I get scared. Like, like I, would, I, I, I tend to embrace them. I, I, I definitely get them quite severely, but it's how you manage them and kind of leaning into them and embracing them and turning it into 
So I think that actually doesn't feel very pleasant and making it a positive experience. I think that's quite a skill. Definitely. Yeah. I guess the more you do it, the more it becomes kind of a, you're used to it. That's why I don't like having time off. I don't have a, like having a lot of time yeah. off because it, it is a skill and I think it's something that needs to be worked on. So having six months off isn't ideal, but I have to kind of put myself first. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I have a teammate, he, I think he uh, injured his knee pretty badly and I didn't know he injured his knee. Like we're training, as I mentioned to someone, I was like, yeah, I mean, like he, he you know, he was out there, he was doing great. And he was like, he shouldn't have been training. He, he like busted his ACL up. He, I, he didn't tear it, but he was like, no, he's injured. He shouldn't be training. It was like, there's some people that are just like, it's like, I can't stop. If I stop, then I won't be able to get that momentum back. And it's like, I guess, I, like you said, you got to take care of yourself though. Yeah, definitely. Because if you don't stop for an injury, the injury will make you stop. So thankfully that's not a mindset I have. I, I'm you know, very mindful when I have injuries about making things worse and potentially being out for longer. So that's not a mindset I can really identify with, to be honest, but it's very common because being on the mats is so much fun. And you, like you said, you get a really good momentum going, especially if you've been training and competing and yeah, it's not a flex to be injured and train at all because you're just going to put yourself out for longer. I that's something I've never understood. I think that's a weird thing with culture these days, though. That hustle culture. It's like, yeah, yeah. Always when people talk about, man, I only sleep two hours a night. I mean, I guess that's not healthy. No, not at all. Not at all. And no days off. I have yeah, to say, I, I used to kind of have that mindset of like no days off. But it's just it's not self-care you've got to look after yourself and you can't perform the best you can or the best of your ability if you are tired or if you're not resting if you're not eating properly you're not having a good night's sleep and you know it's yeah there's nothing to brag about when you've only had two night two hours a night's sleep it's like go to bed rest i wonder though with seeing that a lot more now because like you said you used to be that way I, i'm 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 guilty as well of being that way in our younger years. You know, when you're younger, your energy is a little bit different at the time. You know, you have the ability to, you know, I was telling my wife how before I met her, I was like, yeah, I worked a full-time job. I went to school full-time and I would party full-time too. And I had a friend say, dude, you did like, how did you do that? I was like, I didn't. Yeah. Like, exactly. I like, something had to be sacrificed and it was schooling at the time and then eventually it became partying so i I wonder though too i think if there's like a specific personality trait that goes with that because you do still see some older individuals that are that way they're still push 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 go 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 you know I'll, i'll i'll sleep when i'm dead type mindset yeah, I think um, I think that is that that mindset's apparent in quite a lot of people, and I think it's I th- yeah I, I'm I know too much about psychology now to um, kind of think there's not someone who doesn't have some kind of issue, um, but the whole no days off or keep working, keep working, it just makes me think some people just want to be distracted from what they don't want to feel or what they don't want to address, but only they can really deal with that. I think 
some people use jiu-jitsu exercise partying being a workaholic or whatever that's their their way of control over something they know they can't control so it, it can it's not necessarily healthy to have that coping mechanism but i think if it's recognized if the individual is prepared to recognize it and make steps that take steps to address whatever is leading them to behave in such a way then i think there's a lot of growth in that but you can never push someone to um be different if they're not prepared to be different and i think that's that goes for a lot of things in life you can't want something for someone else you can't make someone else better they've got to want it for themselves that is very true you're absolutely yeah. right <laughs> so that that does get me kind of thinking about grapplers and a personality type that kind of jumps into this um do you think there's in in your opinion like a specific like personality trait for individuals that decide hey you know what i think i want to do i want to go and torture my body <laughs> on these mats and practice that's just practice yeah and then they say you know what i i, I want to be the best in the world at this now too like do you think there's a particular personality trait that comes with that or mm, good question um very good question i think everyone who walks in the gym to try a class is very brave so you know having some level of confidence even if it's not very much and being able to walk into a class is a huge step but i've met thousands of thousands of people in jiu-jitsu and a lot of them are very very different so to narrow it down to one personality trait i think would be quite difficult or just even a cluster i think it would be quite difficult because there are so many different personalities and personality types in the sport but you've definitely got to be brave to try you've definitely got to be courageous to compete but as in to keep going i think you've got to have um quite an unreasonable level of perseverance and persistence for sure especially to progress through the ranks especially to compete when you've been when you've been losing to keep stepping up not quit i think there's definitely got to be a, a stubborn a stubbornness and a desire to get better I think the people who make it definitely have a growth mindset. They're not limited by some of their beliefs, which are fixed and they can take criticism and they can take feedback. I, I would say that's though. I would say those are some characteristics you might see in high level people, people high level than myself, definitely, because if you're someone who can't take criticism, who falls at the first hurdle, you don't fair enough. You may not want to compete or you may not be able to compete for whatever reason, whether it's financial health, you know whatever the reason is it doesn't mean you can't still do really well in jiu-jitsu i personally like to compete because um i like to have a specific focus for things and um it does help me improve faster but if you're able to i think to work through those those obstacles and particularly if you've already overcome quite a lot of adversity i think you're definitely more likely to stick at it but it's i think it would be inaccurate to say that everyone in jiu-jitsu has come gone through a significant life-changing experience because that's obviously not always the case but i think those who have and those who know what it's like to stick something out to wait for a greater reward in the long run those are the people who, who stick it definitely yeah definitely as the ranks get higher as the techniques get harder as training becomes more intense as you may compete and might lose how you pick yourself up after that and i think 
actually a personality trait I would definitely or an awareness I would say in individuals who can be a high level is they recognize the power of the mind definitely they recognize how much jujitsu is mental as well as actually standing on the mats and doing your yoga doing your technique doing your training comp training preparing for competition it's all those things but it's also 90 percent mental i you know when you put it out that way especially when you just mentioned the mental part yeah that that is a very strong point with your return is there some is there something that like you know coming back out there and competing in barcelona did you learn anything new about yourself? Anything new? I, I, I learned I could survive um, fighting people in the heavyweight category, which is 20 kilos or 40 pounds above my weight. Because when I saw the bracket for the absolute, I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I, when I saw the bracket, there was, there was seven of us. And I was like, oh, if I just survived the first fight, then that would be good. And so to to go through and then make the final was a massive thing. Definitely, definitely. Um, the skill level was very high. Um, big weight differences as well, which obviously played a part. But um, I've, I obviously fight men a lot. I weigh a lot more than 80 kilos. Um, but I've never actually fought a in a competitive environment against a girl who's 80 kilos. So that was a new first experience. I learned I could more than cope and survive so that gave me a bit more confidence it gave me more confidence in my knee as well because fear of re-injury is very real and I've spoken at length before about how serious and debilitating ACL injuries can be and yeah so a bigger opponent is always a concern always because it it's not just about you know fighting people your own way and pe people who are lighter it's, the absence about fighting heavier people as well so yeah, I had confidence in my knee, I had confidence in my jiu-jitsu and increased my belief in myself as, as well and ability to survive in absolute and not just do the bracket and think, okay, just do your best. It's like, no, I can actually do really well here. And again, just personally as a friend and talking with you beforehand, I, I felt that I was like, I you were really surprised. I, I messaged, I remember messaging you um, and said, oh, my absolute's been brought forward. And you were asleep because of the, the time difference from he here and where you are. And I said, I've got my first fight at about three o'clock. I messaged you and I, and I wrote, I'm in the final of the absolute. And you wrote about, you said to me, you're in the final of the absolute. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, it, it was like when I saw it, I was like, well, I, I was more shocked that it was the absolute like because i was sitting there thinking it's like wait a minute the absolute oh we're there we're there it's it's go time okay yeah. okay like because it took me a moment to wrap my brain around like the time and it's like wait yeah. a minute Are, i thought that was later okay shit. all right absolutes yes go time let's go you're in the finals let's go um and you know we we brought up you know that you competed but we didn't you know talk about you know your placements and everything i mean in 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 medals because you did get medals i got and, double silver yes and it it's funny because i just had uh a guest on a couple weeks back and he did the same thing out here at uh was it santa cruz santa cruz open in, in california he got double silver as well 
and he was saying is like i'm mr almost yeah yeah keep getting these silvers and 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 the thing is for for you all and I'm, i'm speaking on this from the outside so i i see it a whole lot differently it's like oh you know cool you guys got silver you know, mm-hmm. I'm happy for both of you. And, you know, both of you as competitors, you're like, yeah, you know, I want that gold, though. And it's like in everyone. Yeah. Wants that gold. Everyone. Yeah. So, you know, but I feel weird saying congratulations because it's like, I know you all as a competitor. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't. I didn't yeah, it's like so close, but so far. Yeah. That, yeah. I, yeah. I think that's. Yeah, I'm definitely not. I know I'm not alone with that, but it's. I think it takes some reflection to realize that you still did well when you stepped. It definitely takes some reflection and you can't always evaluate things adequately and um, appropriately in the moment. And I think it's just accepting that, okay, not thrilled with the outcome, but I do recognize I didn't even think I'd get past my first fight in the absolute. So to actually make the final is more than I'd hoped for. Obviously you always want to go in for double gold but when i saw that bracket and who was in it i was like oh my gosh this is gonna be tough really tough and it was really tough it was really tough definitely um but i have i have some belief that i can handle particularly heavy opponent opponents now um better than i may have previously um yeah it's it's all things that there's a lot to work on still but that's exactly why i'm a blue belt I mean, you're learning, you're growing, you're getting better. And yes, they were tough. The brackets were tough. But guess mm. what? You're tougher. I want to ask you a weird question here because okay. it's like we, we reflect on like, you know, all the things that like we're doing, you know, as we move forward and growing and, and doing well. But what's something... Like, like that, you, not even jujitsu related. Period. I mean, it, it could just be anything. Like, what are you not good at? That, like, it's something that you do. Because, like, you say, "Hey, Dante, what are you not good at?" Well, I'm not good at flying. Well, do you try to fly? <laughs> well, no, I don't. But I know I'm not good at it. But like, something that you do work on, and you feel like you're not really good at it, but you're working on it. I think my kindness and compassion towards myself definitely. That's something that needs a lot of work. I'm very hard on myself. And I know why I am. And yeah, I'm dealing with that and trying to have some more self-compassion. Be kinder to myself, definitely. It's hard. It's very, very hard. Very hard fit. It takes a lot of takes a lot of work, but I'm prepared to do it. I I, I think I agree with you. It, it is tough. Like I always say to you, we're we are our own worst critics. Yeah. Like you'll say something, I'm like, no you're not as bad at this as, you, as you're thinking you are like you sent me a message a voice note that didn't come through because i mentioned singing and then it didn't come through and it was like oh no, I, 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 can't, I do sound terrible when i sing I oh my you, goodness i bet you you don't you think you do no i do I trust me <laughs> but then I, I say that too I, I say the same. I was like, God, I sound horrible. But then my daughter's like, Dad, you sound really good. It's like you're seven. You don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you listen to like Disney zombies. <laughs> they sound good to you too. Um, we have a show in the UK. I think you got it in the US. It's called I Can See Your Voice. And you have to like lip sync. People look at you and based on your appearance, they decide if you can sing or not. And you have to like lip sync and do all this stuff. Um, and if 
the contestants who play in pairs um, think you can sing and you can't, you win 10, I think it's 20,000 US dollars. It's 10,000 US um, British pounds. But if they, if you can sing and they think you can sing and they're right, and if you can't sing in and they're correct, they get the money, the contestants get the money, but if not, you get the money. So the idea is for them to think that you're a good singer, but you're not. Or that you're, they think you're a bad singer when you're good and then they get the money. Yeah. Yeah. Like that sounds interesting. I'd, I'd like to see I wouldn't like to play it because <laughs> we we did an episode of one of my other shows and I was talking about um, TV theme songs and I started singing one of them. Now, mind you, my wife and I just did an episode on Off the Mats about this. And we were fine. We're singing along and going and sound good. Then when I did the other show, I went to sing <laughs> something. And my buddy's brother was just like, oh, my God, that is so bad. And I was like, I don't normally sound like this. I'm like, not that I think that I'm a great singer. I can at least figure it out, though. Like, I know singing is not one of my strengths. And that's not me being self-critical. It's me being real. I can't sing. I don't sound horrendous, but it's definitely, I shouldn't give up the day job. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think there was some stat or something. I don't, I don't know how they figured this out because they always figure these goofy things out. What it really is that they're just saying the number. Nobody questions it. They're like only 1% of people cannot sing. And what they mean is like, you're completely tone deaf. You can't even hold a tune. And it's like, really, 1%. I mean, that's still a lot when, when you factor in 8 billion people. But, like, where did you get the 1%? Because I didn't take the survey. Like, I'm just curious, but whatever. Mm. But, but I believe in you. One day I will I, I will, I will, get you I did, I did sing on, but the voice, yeah. see, the, I think that's a sign. The voice note didn't play, so that is a sign I am not meant to record myself singing. That's a very clear sign from the universe right there. I, that's what I like about having a voice note option. It's like I can like sing something like, ooh, that sounds bad. I'm not going to send that. Let me try it again. You're like, <laughs> okay, that sounds that sounds good. Really good. All right, I'm going to send that one instead. That, that's the beauty of our technology today. We have digital options, like like digital cameras. You know, like as kids, we had like the film camera yeah, to take pictures. Take it in, halo to get them developed, and half of them didn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> That, that yeah, was the story that of my childhood. So what motivates you right now? What motivates me in life in general or in jiu-jitsu? Just, yeah, I would say jiu-jitsu. Like, what's your motivation now with jiu-jitsu? Just to keep building on what I know, um, technique-wise, expand my knowledge and be able to execute it. That's the main thing. Be able to execute what I've learned in training competition. Like I said, I've, I've had quite a lot going on in my personal life. So I'd like things to be settled down and stable so that I can just keep competing regularly. That would be, that would be great. Um, but I just want to be better than the fighter I was each time I step on the mat. I know that sounds really cliche, but I think you fall into traps when you start comparing yourself to anyone else other than yourself. So I try not to do that. I will compare myself to the fighter I was the day before, the training session before. But 
that just reinforces that I'm only in competition with myself as well. So yeah, just want to keep competing, um, keep myself well is a big one, um, and just be able to show that I can execute what I've learned so far in competitions as well as in training. Because as I said previously, the adrenaline, the, the nerves, etc., make it it's quite a stressful environment. So just being able to successfully navigate that and show what I can do. That's fair enough. And I, I do like that, you know, the one point there of, you know, you're not in competition with anyone but yourself. So you want to be better than what you were the last time out. I yeah. think that is, that's an important thing that we all need, not even just in jujitsu, but just in life. It's like you go to work, you had a rough day the day before, just be better than what you were the day before. If you're a bill collector, collect better bills the next day. <laughs> you're a burger flipper, be a dope ass burger flipper. Yeah. Be the best burger flipper. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. that's what my coach told me. <laughs> and then the last question before we get out of here, this is a little one that's way off of it, but if we're making a movie, if we need someone to play Tiana Taylor. Oh God. Who's playing you? So I don't watch films, so I don't know who any famous people are. This is my problem. I don't I, know who people are. I keep forgetting it. Like you turn on the movie and go right to sleep. You're like, yeah, like, I do. Within like, like ten minutes, I'm I'm passed out. So that's a, oh, I have I don't I don't know anyone famous. I don't know anyone famous. It's so bad. It, it's really embarrassing. I don't know who anybody is. It's I, I yeah, it's it's shocking my my knowledge of celebrity culture and famous people and actors is so poor it's so poor i don't have a clue who anyone is <laughs> well if you were a 60 year old woman and like yeah. okay that, that, that's fair that's fair i know it's embarrassing isn't it i introduced my i've got a real problem with like recognizing people's faces um this lovely american guy came to train in california a guy called ryan and he introduced himself to me. I introduced myself. I ended up doing it four times in the same day. It's so bad. I cringe every time I think about it. And it's it's awful. Like one time he had his uniform on, one, his gear on. The other time he didn't. Another time he had glasses on, then he didn't. I didn't recognize him after he had a shower. And it, it, it's a, it's so embarrassing. It gets to the point where I asked, I have to say to, to Gareth, have I met this person? Because I just don't remember anybody. It's really, really embarrassing. It, oh. Oh, it's just awful. But oh. I know, I know like people's names generally, but I, it's very difficult to match them to faces for me. Very difficult. So I'll I'll watch something or a program, and I'll be like, "Who's that?" It's like that. And you don't know who Jackman is. You don't know who Denzel Washington is. You don't know who this is. And I was like, "No, should I?" It's like, "Well, you don't really watch films, so." I have a hard time with the younger celebrities because I'm older now. So it makes sense. It's like whenever they're like, oh, this celebrity here, I'm like, who the fuck is that? Yeah. And in music and now, they, I don't know who anyone is. I don't know who anybody is anymore. I think music is a lot harder because yeah. everyone can put out their music now through some platform. Exactly. And like, I have a buddy, like, I'm a huge fan of his music. And, you know, I, I play his music all the time nobody knows who he is i think he's fucking great but nobody knows who he is and i think that's how music is now it's like you like what you like whereas growing up you know for me in the 80s and the 90s you got mtv and they tell you what you're gonna like 
They're like, hey, so you're going to listen to this Mariah Carey song? And it's like, am I? I guess I like Mariah Carey now. So I bought all her CDs because MTV told me I liked her. And, you know, I do like her, though. You know, yeah. And they're like, hey, guess what? Metallica's got a new album. You're going to be a fan of it. And I was like, am I? Like, I don't really like Metallica, though. Yes, but but I know the songs. Nowadays, you don't really get that. It, yeah. It's more like a lot of music comes through social media, the reels, mm-hmm. uh, TikTok, stuff like that now. So, and it's still hard for me to figure it out because they're not even like names I'm like recognize. It's like that's yeah. there's too many consonants in a the row there. There's not a single vowel in that name. That's not a name. That's a sound. But yeah. okay, their music's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I but, don't know who would play with me. Because I don't know enough actresses to say well, someone, unfortunately. I will say personally, whenever I see this actress, I don't even know. Like, I honestly don't know her. I know her name now, but it's only because I had to just look her up. It's like, but whenever I see this actress, I'm like, like, like I say, oh, that's Tiana. It's not, but I think it is. There is that's a Tiana Taylor who's a singer, but it's T E Y A N A, but. That's not me. Somebody thought um, I was her. It's like we're like gonna be coming over for my summer only in Northern Ireland. It's like, no, sorry to disappoint you. You just got me. I'm British. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so I mentioned to someone that I had you on one of the earlier episodes, and I said Tiana Taylor, and his eyes lit up, and I was like, oh, you know her? Because I I wasn't aware of the other Tiana Taylor, and his eyes lit up, and I was like, oh. Oh, okay. He knows my friend. Okay, cool. And he goes, the singer? I was like, I, I don't think she can. <laughs> no, she can no, no, no. So I'm not sure if she's a singer. I mean, she she's, you know, from England. I mean, in, in my experience, everyone from there, I hear them was like, oh, you like, wow, that was deceptive. I didn't think you could sing, but you can. So that's why <laughs> well, that was one of the first questions asked. Like, hey, so can you sing? Like, no, huh? I guess there's always one in the crowd. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, they he thought that I meant that Tiana Taylor. Yeah. I was like, no, not at all. But you know, I think mine is cooler. Uh let's see if you can see this Who's person. That? Oh yeah, yeah. I've heard of her. I have heard of her, but I wouldn't know it was her from the picture. Yeah, that Zoe Seldana. I I never know how to pronounce it. Seldana, I think Seldana. But yeah, anytime I see her, I, I only watch her in the uh, Avengers movie, so she's green whenever I see her. So, but I know of her, so whenever I see her, I'm like, oh, okay, like that's Tiana, that's my friend. That like, <laughs> that's who that is. But it, yeah, I, I don't. I know celebrities, but I don't know celebrities. I only know celebrities that like if I watch a specific genre of movie, like specifically horror movies. You know, I know a lot of horror actors. Mm. You know. But otherwise, if you said, hey, do you know that guy that was in that new action movie? Probably not. Yeah. Like, he's got all the muscles. Yeah, a lot of guys have all the muscles and steroids. Like, what, like, what do you want? Leave me alone. So, but that's who I think would play you in a movie. Okay. That's interesting. So, Tiana, we're going to go ahead and wrap up here before we get out of here. Any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to mention on the show? Yeah, just a huge shout out to my sponsor, Chris, at Excess Guard Mouthguards. Shout out to Hyperfly Europe. Another shout out for Yoga for BJJ. I just uh, joined their team last week and will be representing them. And also enhance, 
um, a shout out to Enhance CBD. You can use my code CJJ10 for 10% off everything on their website. I'll be sure to put them all in the show notes and mention them on uh, all their links on Instagram as well. And for all the listeners, as always, thank you so much for the support. Thank you for listening. I love you all. Sound a little creepy, but you know, I appreciate you guys. If y'all have any questions, concerns, criticisms, always feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the man's podcast on Instagram. And, you know, again, I'm, I'm an open guy. I'm a friendly guy. You shoot me a question. You, you want to be on the show. I'm, you know, I'm not going to say no because I'm curious. I want to know about everybody. So you want to be on, come talk to me, kid. I'd like to give a big shout out to my crew over there at Nerd Rage Radio, Bobby, Chris, Joe, Marilyn, Phil, Ricky, Tiki, uh, Raul, everyone. Thank you guys. You guys have always had my back, always been my corner, got me started in this podcast game. So I do appreciate the hell out of all of you. And also go check out their podcast, Nerd Rage Radio. It's a fun show. We're, we're well into the 400s now. So go check it out. Have a good laugh. If you're into collecting nerd culture i mean even pop culture you know we, we get into some some deep topics there sometimes so go check it out if you're into that kind of thing if not stay here <laughs> you're always welcome with dante um also want to do a shout out to my other podcast so you like horror we talk about scary movies we've been talking about horror through the decades we just recently released the evil dead episode and we have uh, the 1970s upcoming. So if you're into those types of things, go go give a follow. It's So You Like Horror. All the words are separated by underscores on Instagram. Go check it out. And um, you won't be sorry. And also, I spoken with Tiana. We're going to work on an episode upcoming, probably a true crime episode. So if you're into that kind of thing, true crime is wild. So definitely... <laughs> you know, tune in for that one. Um, and then one last shout out to my guest here, Miss Tiana Taylor, BJJ on Instagram. Go give a follow. Make sure that you're staying up to date on, on all her grappling happenings and everything. It is a wild adventure and a fun, fun journey to follow along with her. Um, otherwise, as always, thank you for the support, everyone. Love you. You guys keep listening and we're going to keep making these shows. Thank you, everyone, and bye-bye. They probably said, now let me see his song.